Well, when news of the revival in Judea reached the little town of Nazareth in Galilee, the young man Jesus laid down the hammer in the carpenter's shop for the last time and made his way to the fords of the Jordan River. And there he submitted to water baptism at the hands of his cousin, John the Baptist. As he went down into those waters, he was identifying with sinful man that he had come to redeem. And when he came up out of the waters, the Bible tells us that the heavens were opened and there came upon him a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The book of Hebrews actually says it was an anointing without measure, without limit. And as Jesus received that anointing that day there in the Jordan River, it was an anointing for three offices, prophet, priest, king. Now, all three of those offices are found in the Old Testament, but they're always separate offices with separate anointings. Priests were not kings, and kings were not priests, and kings were not prophets. Separate offices with separate anointings. You remember the time when King Uzziah, in the latter years of his reign as king, uh, went into the temple and there he usurped the office of the priest and he began to burn incense before the Lord. And the priest came in, they said, King, it's not lawful for you to do this. Only the descendants of Aaron, the priest, carry the priestly anointing and you're not to do this. And he became angry with them. And the Bible tells us that leprosy came upon him and he lived an isolated, quarantined life for the rest of his days. So three separate offices with three separate anointings. But when Jesus the Messiah came, all three offices were combined in him. And he carried all three anointings, praise God. He was the anointed prophet of all prophets, the anointed priest of all priests, and the anointed king of all kings. Now this morning as we look at this subject, simply remember this. Prophets reveal, priests redeem, kings reign. Can we remember that? Prophets reveal, priests redeem, kings reign reign. And this morning, as we look at Jesus, the anointed prophet, priest, and king, I do not want this just to be a historical study in the life of Jesus, because we know that he's the head and we're the body. We're in him, and all three of those anointings that rested upon Jesus are to rest upon his church. And we as a church will never accomplish the eternal purposes of God in the earth apart from the anointing of the prophet, the anointing of the priest, and the anointing of the king. Now, obviously, I don't have time to preach on all three of those this morning, so I'm going to preach on the prophetic, on Jesus, the prophet, and the prophetic anointing that is to rest upon us. But let me just take just a moment to talk about the other two before we move into the prophetic. Jesus came not only as the prophet from Nazareth, but he came as the great high priest of Jehovah. And in Latin, the word for priest is pontiff. And the word pontiff means a bridge builder. 
Jesus came to build a bridge between sinful man and holy God. And because he was God, he could build from God's end. And because he was man, he could build from our end and thus build the perfect bridge, enabling us to come into the presence of God, the bridge builder. Now, we as the church also carry a priestly anointing. Now, we can't redeem people, but we can build bridges to help people in trouble come into the presence of God. Under the priestly anointing, we carry an anointing of compassion and concern and identification with the hurts of others. We carry an anointing of intercession to bring people in their struggles into the one who is the problem solver, God Almighty. We carry a priestly anointing. You are a priest. Revelation 1 and verse 5 and 6 says that he has washed us from our sins by his blood and hath made us what? Kings and priests unto our God. You carry a priestly anointing of identification and compassion and intercession. But also, you carry a kingly anointing. Jesus was a king. And that king anointing rests upon us, the church. In Romans 5 and verse 17, one of my great verses that I love in the New Testament says that we can reign in life through the man, Jesus Christ. Two things about kings. One, they are royalty. They are royalty. And because they're royalty, they carry a dignity about them. May I say to you this morning that you are not trash, you are not junk, but the blood of a king courses through your veins. You are royalty and you carry dignity, amen. But also kings have authority, right? Kings can go to war. Kings can destroy enemies. King can capture and take every, every enemy captive, praise God. And so you carry an anointing as a king to reign in life through the man, Jesus Christ. But now let's go and look at, let's look at the prophetic this morning. Jesus the prophet and the prophetic anointing that is arrest upon us as the church. And as we said earlier, prophets reveal. You say, well, Brother Jimmy, what did Jesus come to reveal? First of all, he came to reveal the Father. Everything he did, everything he said, everything he was, was a revelation of his Father. We just simply remember this. Jesus came to reveal the Father. The Holy Spirit came to reveal Jesus. If you get those two down, you can understand a lot about the Christian life. Jesus came to reveal his daddy, and the Holy Spirit came to reveal and magnify Jesus. Praise God. And so everything he did, everything he said, everything he was, was a revelation of his Father. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about what? Doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. What was he revealing there? He's revealing that my daddy is good. My daddy is good. He's a good God. There's, there's no, no evil in him. He's absolutely good. and He wants good for all mankind. And he's also revealing that he's Jehovah Rapha. He is the healer. He went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Praise God. 
On one occasion, Jesus came into a village. The village was called the city of Nain. And as he entered the city gates, there was a funeral procession taking place. And a young man had died, and he was the only child of his mother who was a widow. And the Bible says that Jesus, having compassion, went and laid his hand there on the casket and said, Young man, arise. And this young man comes out of the realm of the dead alive. What was, God, what was being revealed there? Jesus revealing that my daddy is life. There is no death in him. There is no darkness in him. Uh, death is alien to his nature. He is life. And we were created in the image of God. That's why life is precious to us, praise God. That's why we will prolong life as long as possible, sometimes hooking people up to tubes and machines because life is precious and we don't like death. Is that right? We're made in his image. Man was not created to die. God is life. But sin entered into the universe And on its coattails came sickness and death. But the Bible tells us, praise God, that in the end, Paul says, the last enemy, which is physical death, the last enemy shall be destroyed, praise God. Don't ever be, don't ever be deceived by religious thought and poetry that talks about the sweet slumber of death. Death is an enemy. And the Bible says that in that last time, it shall be destroyed, praise God. For the scripture says that Jesus shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be changed. There's one generation of Christians who will never walk through the door of physical death. The, the, the dew of death will never fall upon their brow because the Bible says that in that moment we will be changed. We will be transformed because death and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so this mortal must put on, put on immortality and this corruption must put on incorruption. And in that moment when that happens and we're caught up to meet him in the air, then shall come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Praise God. Our God is the God of life. Hallelujah. When Jesus fed the 5,000 that day with just a little handful of French bread and fish, what was he revealing? He was revealing, my, my daddy is a provider. My daddy is Jehovah Jireh. My daddy can take little and make much out of it, praise God. Hallelujah. And he was, he was saying to us that, that, that my, my father doesn't want man to be empty. My father does not want man to be hungry. My father wants man to be filled with the presence of God. Praise God. And when he opened the blind man's eyes, what was he revealing? He was revealing that my daddy is a God of vision. He does not want man stumbling through life in darkness and in confusion. But he is a God of vision, and he wants our lives to be full of vision and full of destiny. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so everything he did, everything he said, everything he was, was a revelation of his Father. But the other thing that Jesus came to reveal, not only his Father, but he came to reveal the hearts of men 
He came to reveal the hearts of men so that he could better minister to them. Uh, as you know, in the Bible, a prophet is sometimes called a seer, one who sees. And so we read all through the Gospels where it says, particularly concerning the Pharisees and those who were opposed to him, Jesus knowing their thoughts. And I believe that means more than just in the natural. But Jesus, under the prophetic anointing, knowing their thoughts. John just says it this way in John 2. He says, Jesus knew what was in man because he carried this, this prophetic anointing, praise God. Let's, let's look at one example of him walking under the prophetic anointing. Go to John chapter 4. You remember Jesus is passing through Samaria. Most Jews would go around Samaria, but he said, I must go through Samaria. And the disciples have gone into town to buy some hamburgers or something. And he's sitting there by the well. He's tired. And this woman of Samaria comes to the well and Jesus begins to talk to her. Let's pick up in verse 13 of John 4. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a well of water, a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And it was this prophetic anointing that blew her wide open for ministry. She goes back to her town and she begins to tell everybody, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And the Bible tells us that that whole town came out to meet Jesus. It was the prophetic anointing that blew her open for ministry and resulted in tremendous uh, outreach and evangelism. And someone would say, well, Brother Jimmy, how, how did Jesus know that? And someone else would say, well, he knew it because he was God and God knows everything. Let me try to dispel that idea. Jesus did not know that about her because he was God. The Bible tells us that when Jesus came into this earth, he became a man. And according to Philippians 2, he emptied himself of all the God prerogatives. Now, that doesn't mean he's not still God, but he's God without all the God prerogatives. When Jesus comes into the earth, he is not omniscient. He does not know everything. Some people think Jesus could do calculus at age two. He couldn't. He had to learn like us. He had to go to school like us. He had to study the Bible like us. He was not omniscient. He had laid that down. He had emptied himself of that. He is not omnipresent. 
God is omnipresent. He can be everywhere at one time, but Jesus couldn't. Jesus is limited to being at one place at one time because he's in a body, right? He's laid that down. He's not all omnipotent. He's not all powerful. He's a man. But praise God, he is a man totally submitted to his Father and full of the Holy Spirit. As he walked on the earth, he walks as maximized man. He walks as man as God intended man to be, full of the Holy Spirit, totally dependent upon the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so he's operating under this prophetic revelational anointing. And we, he goes into the town of Jericho one day, and there's a little guy up in a tree. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. See, how do you know his name? The prophetic anointing, the Holy Spirit whispers in his ear. The Holy Spirit whispers to Jesus. His name is Zacchaeus. And he's hungry for God. He's a bad sinner, but he's hungry for God. And it was that little insight, it was that prophetic insight that blows Zacchaeus wide open for ministry, praise God. And so he's walking as a man full of the Holy Spirit operating in this revelational prophetic ministry so he can better minister to people, praise God. Now, listen carefully. You can operate under the prophetic revelational anointing. You can. The church must walk under this prophetic anointing if we're going to fulfill the purposes of God in the earth. The prophetic anointing enables you to see beyond the obvious. It enables you to see beyond the natural into the realm of the invisible. Praise God. The the prophetic anointing is so important in counseling. Counseling without the prophetic can be pathetic. I had not been filled with the Holy Spirit very long when this prophetic anointing began to manifest itself in my life. I didn't really know what it was. At that time, uh, we had uh, started a coffee house in San Marcos, Texas. And uh, man, we were in the midst of revival and kids were coming from the from the university and from the local high school and from the Gary Job Corps Training Center. They're coming by the hundreds into that coffee house, and they're being delivered from drugs, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, demons being cast out of them. It was a, it was a powerful time. And uh, Beth and I were up there every Friday and Saturday night for a couple of years, ministering with this, with this team of kids that we had trained. And uh, one night. We were there ministering, and my brother Billy, who was a Southern Baptist pastor, had come to visit us, and so he went to the coffee house with us. And Billy was just enthralled with what was going on. He is an evangelist, and he just loved this. All these kids are being saved, and he just thought it was awesome. And we had this little boy come up to us. He was actually he, he was he was a, a African American boy, young 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 boy, probably in his early twenties. And he came up to me, and uh, he he said, uh, "I am." Uh, I got a problem with my leg. Could you pray for me to be healed? And I found out who his, what his name was. I said, well, Melvin. I said, uh, it, it's no problem for God to heal your leg. But sometimes God wants to do a deeper work in our hearts, a spiritual work in our hearts. I said, have you received Jesus as your Savior? And he said, uh, 
Yes, so. He said, I, I've received Jesus as my Savior. And I began to feel something uneasy. I said, and so I pressed a little more. I said, well, Melvin, are, are you walking close to God every day? And he says, yes, sir. He says, I, I, I was walking close to God every day. And I still feel that uneasiness. So I pressed a little bit more. I said, well, Melvin, is there any sin in your life that you feel might be blocking you from a real close relationship with God? And he kind of scratched his head. He says, no, sir, I can't think of no sin that is separating me from God. And then I heard this voice in me that said, he's lying. He's shacking up with women. Call his hand. Oh, my. Yeah. I'm going to blow this kid out of the tub or something, you know. And, and I just kind of hesitated. And the Holy Spirit said, do it. I said, Melvin, you're not going to get any help from God until you get honest. You're shacking up with a bunch of women. And he spun around to my brother. And he said, how do you know that? Billy said, I have no idea. I guess God told him. But you see, that blew Melvin wide open to receive ministry and for God to touch him. It's the prophetic anointing that must rest upon us if we're going to minister effectively to people. Uh, we, we, for three years now, we have healing rooms in our church. Every Saturday morning, uh, there's a team of us who've been trained, and about 25 of us gather. We have an hour of worship and prayer between 9 and 10, and then from 10 to 12, we minister to the sick in our community and in our church. And we have trained our people in these healing rooms to move in the prophetic anointing. Because often we'll have someone come in who wants prayer for their arm, but the real issue may be that 10 years ago they went through a divorce and they're still bitter. And you've got to be able to see that. Often they don't tell you that. You've got to be able to see beyond the obvious into the realm of the invisible. About two years ago, my granddaughter Damaris, who's now 13, she's about 11 then, she was praying with us in the healing rooms. And this lady came in, and Damaris was on a team that ministered to her. And Damaris says to this lady, he says, she says, Ma'am, I see that when you were 10 years old, Something very terrible and traumatic happened in your life that hurt you deeply and it has affected your whole life. That woman just broke and began to boo-hoo and cry like a baby and it opened her wide up, wide open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We must operate under the anointing of the prophet in the church if we're going to be effective in ministering to people. Praise God. Well... What I want to do now, I'm through preaching. I want to open these altars. And I want to impart that prophetic anointing into people's lives. I'm going to, I'm going to ask for our teams that help us at the altar. If you'll just come on right now. Just come on right here and, and stand with me. Those that help at the altar. Just come on up here. Altar workers. Come on. I'm going to need a lot of you. Now I'm going to pray 
I'm going to pray for the, the, the prophetic anointing. See, it's, you carry this anointing because you're in Jesus. He's the head and you're the body. You carry this anointing. Just most of us don't know how to operate in it. And if you're going to be effective in ministering to people, you need to be able to see beyond the obvious, but not beyond the natural, into the realm of the invisible, to the world, real needs of people, so that you can minister to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray now that that anointing just began to be manifest in this church in a way more than it ever has before, in the leadership in a way more than it ever has before, in these altar workers right now in a way that it never has before. And then we're going to open the doors in just a moment for you to come and receive prayer that this prophetic anointing begin to operate powerfully in your life. Father, I thank you now. I thank you that as Jesus is, so are we in the world. I thank you that as he operated under this prophetic anointing, knowing their thoughts, seeing beyond the obvious, may we too operate under this anointing. I pray that this anointing become powerful in this church. As we minister to people in our community and our jobs, Lord, that you'll show us things about people. You'll show us where they're hurting. You'll show us where their needs are, that we might minister in the power of the Spirit. I pray for these altar workers this morning, the anointing to rest upon them in Jesus' name. Oh, let your anointing rest upon them, Lord. Cause the prophetic to become very, very real in their lives. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we ask it. Those of you who need prayer now, I'm going to ask you to get up from where you are, make your way from all around this auditorium here. They're simply going to lay hands on you and pray that that prophetic anointing begin to break forth in power in your life. As these are coming, you come. Come from the back of the auditorium over here to my left, over to my right. Just begin to make your way down here. Just crying out, oh God, I want to operate under that anointing of the prophet. I want to be a seer. I want to be able to see into the realm of the invisible where people's real needs are where their hurts are. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, praise God. As people are coming, just find your way here. Spread out all across the auditorium to receive prayer this morning. We thank you, Jesus.